Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. show that brings animal advocacy to the to the airwaves and you've just heard Sally with her show Out of the Pan which is a weekly show on queer and pansexual issues. Sally's on every Sunday uh, from 12 to 1 p.m. I'm Caroline and I'm on the show today with Nick. Hi Nick. Hello. And we're really excited today we have uh, Greta Cuthel joining us. Greta is the organiser of Youth Climate Save in Victoria and Youth Climate Save is part of the Animal Save movement and we're going to talk about activism, climate action issues and we're also going to talk about the plant-based treaty. So welcome to the show, Greta. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. Well, I thought we might kick off and talk first a little bit about um, the Animal Save Movement and I guess for people who might not know much about the Save Movement, um, their mission is to further the idea that we all have a moral duty to bear witness, um, to end animal agriculture and to reforest the earth. And Animal Save Movement's been around since 2010 and one of the recent um, lot of groups and chapters across the world are the Youth Climate Save chapters. And Greta, I just wondered how you got involved with, with SAVE and um, founding the uh, Youth Climate Save chapter here in Victoria. Yeah, so I first got on to Youth Climate Save through the Save Movement's um, Instagram page, I suppose. I'd been following them for a while because I've always been very passionate about climate action and climate justice, as well as animal advocacy and liberation. So I sort of stumbled across their page and it really spoke to me. And then I saw uh, Genesis Butler, who started the Youth Climate Save chapter um, or organisation uh, about a year ago now, just over a year ago. And I thought, this is exactly me. I mean, it's, you know, about climate change, which I'm very passionate about. It's about animal liberation and animal advocacy and putting the two together. So about how animal agriculture links to climate change and just educating people and spreading that knowledge um, all across the world, really. And that, yeah, like I said, it really spoke to me. So I thought I've got to get involved in this. So at the beginning of this year, um, yeah, I reached out and I said, you know, what can I do? How can I get involved in this? And it all started from there. And honestly, it's been the best journey. It was the best decision of my life. I've had so many amazing opportunities come from it. And it's really just began my activism journey and which is just such an empowering thing, really. So, yeah, it's an amazing organisation, which is empowering youth all over the world to fight for climate and fight for animals. And, yeah, it's really, really liberating. Fantastic. That's so inspiring. You're so inspiring to to just see that um, opportunity and, and run with it. So given what we've been going through in the last sort of um, 18 months, we're still in the, uh, you know, COVID-19 pandemic. So what, what's that look like for you this year that, you know, you spotted this opportunity and I know Gen- Genesis Butler is so incredibly inspiring in her um, animal advocacy um, and all of the work that she does. How have you sort of wrestled with, I guess, the year as you probably um, anticipated it 
you know, the beginning of 2021 and sort of what we've actually sort of been wrestling with and, you know, also um, being a young person, hopefully, Greta, you don't mind me saying, I know you're also um, just been finishing school, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely been different, I'd say. It's been a bit more difficult than I guess we all thought. So when I sort of started out the year, I thought I'd be doing all these events and doing lots of outreach and onboarding for new members to join Youth Climate Save and to do more in-person events to sort of spread the message. But of course, that hasn't been able to happen. So it's really brought out our creative side, I would say. We've really just tried to um, tackle the problems and tried to do it all online as much as we can. So um, say for like the plant-based treaty, the launch for that, which was a few months ago now, we did an online Zoom party and just lots of, yeah, lots of things like that. And as much as we can, reaching out to other organisations to sort of see how we can create a bigger impact with what we have, if that makes sense. So mm. it's really just been trying to do what we would do already, but in a way that we can sort of all do online and in a COVID safe way, or if it's, you know, doing a beach cleanup or something like that, or getting out in the community, but doing it, you know, one person at a time, making sure you're all masked up and everything like that. So it's been a very different experience, but it also has been, yeah, it's been very interesting to sort of see what we can come up with. It also, it wasn't too bad though, because with Youth Climate Save, because it is like the SAVE movement, a global organisation, all of our Zoom meetings are online anyway, because of course we can't <laughs> meet up with people all across the world. So we still were able to share ideas and um, yeah, create things online, which was really beneficial. I, I was just going to say, um, I guess one lesson for reaching youth is, is use Instagram rather than Facebook and Twitter. I, I, it's funny you found out for Instagram because I spend a lot of my social media time on Facebook and Twitter and young people probably are not seeing anything at all that we post. We do have an Instagram for the page now. Um, but one, one um, issue we spoke about in the show before, I'd be curious to hear your take on is, I guess with the internet, uh, one of the, the dangers is that we're often sort of siloed into those different communities. So there's, there's posts about veganism that only vegans or predominantly vegans are seeing, or there's posts about the environment and people are already environmentalists are seeing it. So like, yeah, I was wondering, is that something you've sort of struggled with, with moving to more of an online form of activism of actually reaching, reaching new people who aren't already on board with these ideas? Yeah, it's a really interesting sort of um, topic that one and just trying to navigate that with the algorithms of social media it's quite difficult to sort of get your head around and work around so it's been yeah it's been interesting um, we do see um, a lot of the people that do keep coming back to the youth climate safe accounts are already you know the vegans the climate activists and things um, and we sort of noticed that at the start of the year we weren't getting much sort of yeah different um different people looking on the social media pages. So we try to just really um, expand what we post about and not make it so um, minimal, like the sort of things we post about, if that makes sense. And also using the different things that different social media platforms are constantly coming up with, say if that's live streams or Instagram reels and things like that, we're really just trying to use up the resources that we can to sort of spread it as wide as possible and then with COVID we sort of came up with you know using our own personal Instagrams to sort of spread the message as well because we're going to have a lot of people that aren't particularly vegan or climate activists and that kind of thing so yeah we really just tried to use anything we really could but it has been difficult to sort of navigate around that for sure but yeah just really sort of trying to expand what we post about and trying to get different viewers onto the page so then they can sort of see the different things that we post about instead of doing one or two things, if that makes sense. Most definitely. So you mentioned um, beach clean cleanups as something that you have been able to do this year, which I think is fantastic. And, and I've, I've done a couple of those actually with Animal Justice Party. And I think it's a great way to just get out um, safely amongst some other people, but also just talk with people in the community while, <laughs> while you're actually, you know, picking up um, some rubbish and things. And I know chalking is another thing that people like to, to sort of get out and do. You know, you can do that on your own. Um, and, you know, there's often some really fantastic... <laughs> 
really, really, some really fantastic messages yeah. that really also spark up some conversations as well. Mm -hmm. I just wonder, Greta, when you have been able to get out um, in the community, what kind of discussions have you been able to have with people about, you know, your concerns about climate, climate issues? Yeah, it's very, I personally love getting out in the community and advocating that way because I find it really beneficial to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations with people and sort of be able to see their point of view and um, yeah sort of give you give um, what you know like in that moment because I think that's a lot more powerful so um, I've had some really great conversations with people a lot of people are very open to learning about the um, devastating effects of animal agriculture and what it has on the climate and also the animals and that's really amazing to have those conversations and it's really amazing stepping away from that and thinking you've made a difference in someone's life mm -hmm. um there's definitely the conversations that don't go so well though a lot of people I guess can get um get their um spikes up you know with um I guess bringing up veganism and that kind of thing it can be a bit controversial sometimes um so, yeah, it's definitely um, hard for some people to sort of have those conversations. But it's, yeah, it's really interesting because, I don't know, it's really good to be educated yourself and be able to sort of give the facts and um, what you do with the information is ultimately your choice. But I think it's just really good to get the information out there because it's so pushed to the side, the animal agriculture industry, and we don't hear anything about it in mainstream media or you know even at things like COP26 you know it really is just um slid under the radar instead of things like fossil fuels which of course are really devastating but you know animal agriculture is there too and it's causing awful things to the climate so yeah it's just really good to have those conversations. With the the online communication as well, just talk about engage with the community. I really like that point about like even posting about those things or even sharing things from these pages and getting them out to people who aren't already liking these pages. That, that's a really good point. Um, and yeah, I, I guess I was also thinking about the, the way in which that could be a double-edged sword in a way in terms of reaching new people because it can be definitely positive, but also you can spend a lot of time arguing with your friend's auntie or something like that, like with these people who are maybe never on board with these things that you can sort of spend a lot of time and energy on these people. So yeah, how, how have you gone personally of like, you know, kind of reaching these general people you might know through school or just, you know, through work or various places um, who sort of aren't in these circles at all? Um, how do you go about sort of trying to reach new people, which is important, but also trying to take care of yourself and, and not uh, spending too much uh, wasted time, I guess, on social media? Yeah, well, that's exactly it. It can be, like you said, really beneficial, but then it also can immediately turn people away. So <laughs> that's, um, yeah, another hard thing to sort of navigate. But I just find, you know, you can't go in there with any, um, any big emotions, I suppose. So you really need to go into these conversations, just level-headed, you know, just mention some things, mention some facts and things like that. Let people know sort of why you might be vegan or why you're a climate um, advocate and those sorts of things. And yeah, just have a really, and like, listen to them as well and listen to what they're trying to tell you. And then, you know, you can um, say your, say what you want to say as well. And going about it like that, I just find people are a lot more open to learning about animal agriculture and climate change and veganism. And yeah, they're a lot more open to sort of learning about why you might be doing those things. So going into a conversation, just, you know, really, yeah, level-headed and open to whatever might come your way, I find is a really great way to get your point across and sort of expand people's uh, views of what, um, yeah, what you're trying to get across. Fantastic. Well, we might go to a song. And the first song um, that you chose, Greta, is Runaway by The National. Is there a reason that you chose that song? Uh, it's just such a beautiful song. Every time I listen to it, I just feel so many emotions. It's just so beautiful. I think The National has a real talent and yeah, the voice and the music behind it is just amazing. So yeah, that's why I chose it. Fantastic. Here, here it is, Runaway by The National. There's no saving anything now we're swallowing the shine of the sun 
there's no saving anything How we swallow the sun But I won't be no runaway Cause I won't run No, I won't be no runaway What makes you think I'm enjoying being led to the flood We got another thing coming undone And it's taking us over We don't bleed And we don't fight Go ahead, go ahead Throw your arms in the air tonight We don't bleed And we don't fight Go ahead, go ahead Shirts in the fire tonight. But what makes you think I'm enjoying being led to the flood? We got another thing coming undone. But I won't be no runaway. Cause I
when I was new to Melbourne, I found a footnote bombs fly on the road and I had like this feast with a carrot and carrots are my favorite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We, I guess, rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is a 3CR supporter. And we're back with Greta from Youth Climate Save Victoria. And we're going to talk about the plant-based treaty. So that's an amazing um, initiative from the SAVE movement. And you mentioned earlier, Greta, the, um, the launch, the Zoom party, which I think was a month or two ago, yeah. which was fantastic. Would you like to tell us a, bit, a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, a couple of months ago now, I think it was late August, we had a big Zoom party with lots of different speakers um, from both New Zealand and Australia. So it was an Oceana Zoom call and it was just discussing and getting people on board with what the plant-based treaty is and what we can do as individuals to help support the plant-based treaty and how we can um, let other people know and just, yeah, what we can do and how we can go forward with it. So it was really, really amazing to have so many people come onto the Zoom party and um, yeah, a few of us SAVE organisers, we all um, discussed and got to answer questions. We got a bit of a Q&A in there. And, yeah, it was just really good to um, launch the plant-based treaty in a way that was really interactive with different people and also, yeah, just that really um, the best sort of way we could do it without being in person. So, yeah, it was really good to, um, yeah, get the plant-based treaty out there. Most definitely. So for, people, for listeners who might not have heard of the Plant-Based Treaty, it's a landmark international treaty and it's really the first of its kind and it focuses on putting food systems, I guess, at the heart of combating the climate crisis. And can you let us know, um, Greta, you know, how you got involved in that through, I guess, your work with the SAVE movement and what you're hoping to do in, in terms of promoting that? Yeah, definitely. So I got um, to the plant-based treaty through Youth Climate Save and became a plant-based treaty youth ambassador. Um, so how I went about doing that was um, we all heard in Youth Climate Save that this um, the Save movement was producing this new initiative called the plant-based treaty and immediately it caught my eye. I thought, wow, this is such an amazing initiative. I think this is exactly what the world needs because we have the fossil fuel treaty and we have the Paris Agreement, but there's this big gap there where it doesn't address animal agriculture. And that's exactly what we need because the truth is we're never really going to um, stay under 1.5 degrees Celsius if we, don't, um, if we don't look at animal agriculture and the effects of that industry. So immediately I thought, wow, this is amazing. How can I get involved in this as well? I wanted to do anything I could to sort of help out this cause because, yeah, I'm just so passionate about it. So then I got in contact with Anita, who is the one of the founders of the SAVE movement and also the plant-based treaty. And, yeah, we had some really great chats about how I could help the cause and also, um, yeah, just what it is and how we're going to go um, moving forward with the plant-based treaty. And in terms of what I hope to get out of it and where I see it going, I really just see it growing and growing um, day by day, which is amazing seeing the count on the website. And I really just think it will spread awareness about animal agriculture and climate change and get people more aware about the impact, um, the impacts of the food we put on our plates each day, which can easily be put um, out of our mind, you know, out of sight, out of mind. It's easy to not think about these things, but they really do matter. So I just see, yeah, people becoming more aware about what they eat and what they consume and how it contributes to the climate crisis and eventually getting to um, federal governments and across the world to negotiate an international plant-based treaty. So eventually the end goal is really just to 
create a plant-based food system to help heal the planet, which would be amazing. It's the dream. And you, you mentioned there the, the treaty around fossil fuels and that kind of thing. And, and one thing I've noticed over the years is that environmental movements have a, a real big focus on those sort of structural ways of addressing. Like there are individual things. We can like ride a bike rather than driving a car. We can, you know, recycle, do all those things. But there's this big focus on that really big shift, like at the global level and within institutions and governments and, and all these kind of bigger things. Uh, whereas definitely myself and I think a lot of animal advocates, the focus is very individualistic. Like we all got to convince each individual to go vegan, which, which is important. I'm not denying that. But I guess in the last few years, I've sort of been thinking more about these kind of things. And actually um, in my academic work, I uh, recently submitted a book chapter uh, in the field of vegan sociology that, where I mentioned the plant-based treaty is one example of animal advocates kind of looking at this more uh, kind of structural approach rather than purely individual. Um, and I was wondering in, I know you've been involved, I'm sure like you're much newer to this stuff, but have you sort of had that sort of shift in thinking of going, well, we need to convince individuals to obviously this plant-based treaty is really like a global and institutional kind of effort to um, move towards a plant-based system. Yes, definitely. At first I was all, you know, you've got to get to the individuals. That's what counts. You know, every individual is, that's what we need to change. That's what we need to, that's where we need to get the message across. But as I've sort of gone on in my activism journey, I've really realised and I've really just yeah, expanded my knowledge and my understanding of each people's circumstances. And it's not that black and white. We can't just, you know, not everyone in the world can go vegan overnight. It's just not possible for some people, unfortunately. And that's where it really comes down to that systemic change because people, you know, on the front line of climate crisis or disadvantaged communities, First Nations people here in Australia, they don't always have access to all vegan foods and it, you know, and it can be a lot harder for some people to, um, yeah, be able to tap into that veganism um, lifestyle. So that's where I really started to realise it is about governments implementing things to make it easier and equitable for everyone to be able to access plant-based foods and also to have the right to the education of these things because a lot of people don't have the privilege of growing up and learning about animal agriculture or climate change, veganism. It's just not something that's in day-to-day -day life. So, yeah, like I said, that's where it really comes back to systemic level of governments needing to implement these things so everyone can have access to plant-based foods and to climate-friendly solutions. So yeah, I really realized that just, um, yeah, just over the past year, how much it really matters to get government levels on board. Absolutely. Having searched that, there are actually some really um, interesting people um, who've actually signed on um, to the treaty as individuals or who, who are endorsing um, the treaty. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, um, Greta? Yeah, we've had some really great endorsees for the plant-based treaty. Um, we've had some major celebrities as well as politicians and a couple of um, cities around the world as well, which has been really amazing. But a couple of the standouts for me anyway would definitely be um, whack in Phoenix, which I thought was amazing. He's always been an amazing animal advocate and having him on board with the plant-based treaty has really enabled us to sort of spread the message of the plant-based treaty and get across to a lot more viewers, which has been really, really amazing. As well as people like Moby, which is also incredible. He's also a well-known animal advocate and also a climate advocate. And then the McCartney, so Paul McCartney and Stella McCartney. So we've had some really big names, which has been really amazing and just really, really helped us with getting, um, getting the news out there about the plant-based treaty and spreading the awareness and have more people sign on that wouldn't usually um, sort of be, have access to that content. Yes. And I guess in terms of politics as well, um, yeah, again, just going back to that chapter I've just written, um, it was, it seems that in the UK, there's quite broad support from a wide range of political parties. I believe at the time I wrote that anyway, 17 politicians from political parties in the UK. Um, but I believe you've also got support from um, the Animal Justice Party in Australia and, and members of parliament signing on to that here in Australia too. Yeah, so the Animal Justice Party, 
um, has signed on, which has been amazing. And we've been able to work with them quite a bit, actually, which has been really great to sort of combine um, organisations and work on a bit of an alliance, I suppose, to really build momentum of the plant-based treaty. So it's been really amazing. We've had Emma, Emma Hurst come along to a couple of meetings and also um, she's done a couple of speeches in Parliament as well about the plant-based treaty and about animal agriculture. So that's been really amazing to get that um, awareness into the government system and into those um, different areas which we wouldn't usually have access to. Absolutely. It's really, really important. And it looks like there's some support too at the local council level. So I noticed that um, there's support, um, I know this is in New South Wales, at the Wollongong City Council. Uh, so that's really fantastic. And also Vanuel Council. So, I mean, it's great to see that um, at a local level, people are also starting to sort of pay attention and, and look at some of the issues and, and endorse it themselves as well. Definitely. I think that's definitely one of the most important points because we really want that support. We want that support within the community because that makes us feel so much more um, empowered, I suppose. So we do a lot of work trying to get the local cities involved. Um, I'm working with the Geelong City Council and the Mornington Peninsula Council at the moment. So we're sort of liaising and working on how we can um, get that endorsement of the plant-based treaty because it's basically just saying, you know, you support this, um, you support this initiative and you want the federal government to sort of look into this and see what they can do. So it's been really amazing to get that support on a local level as well. And how, how have you gone speaking to people like that, I guess, in terms of getting more political support, whether it is within um, the state parliament or at the local government level, is the approach to try and get politicians who happen to be vegan sort of on board with it, or, or is it much broader than that? And, and if it is broader, how, how much success have you had in raising these ideas sort of to, yeah, broader politicians who aren't necessarily vegan themselves? It's definitely been much broader. I haven't spoken to a politician that has actually been vegan yet. So it's been honestly even better being able to do that and seeing their um, perspective on these kinds of things. And it's been really amazing. They've been really open to the plant-based treaty and um, implementing different things to shift to a plant-based food system and reducing emissions through um, yeah plant-based solutions. It's been really great to see their um, yeah, openness to this initiative and also just it's really good to check in with them and see um, what they can do moving forward. So it's been really good. We have different things cities can do on the website. So if that's um, plant-based, making more plant-based um, options in schools or even in the workplaces and doing different things like this if they can't go all the way straight away. It's really good to see the little changes they're making. Mm. Definitely. That's fantastic. So we might take a quick pause and go to your second song, Greta, which is Float On by Modest Mouse. And is that another favourite song? Yeah, this one, it just is such a feel-good song. I Each time I've showed it to someone, I haven't met a person yet to not then add it to their playlist and listen to it on their daily walk or wherever they're going. It's just such a feel-good song and can instantly lift your mood. Fantastic. Okay, here it is, Float On by Modest Mouse.
More than 70 innocent refugees are still being indefinitely detained in detention centres and secure hotels around Australia. Over recent months, many fellow detainees have been released onto bridging visas. Those remaining are desperate to know why they are still held. It is indefinite, it is cruel and it is unlawful. Every day a group of supporters protest this brutality outside the Park Hotel at 701 Swanson Street, Melbourne, where 11 men remain trapped and whose hopes are fading and whose mental health is declining. The aim of the protests is to raise awareness of the situation for the general public, but also to show support and solidarity to the men inside. It is also for the approximately 200 refugees still held offshore. Please come along any weeknight at 6pm or weekend at 3pm. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. Okay, and we're back with Greta from Youth Climate Save. And we're talking about the plant-based treaty. So Greta, for people who um, are listening and don't know a lot about the treaty, I mean, we'll share uh, the relevant links after the show. Could we talk a little bit more about the treaty itself and some of the demands? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, this is a very important point. So the plant-based treaty is a grassroots initiative that aims to put um, food systems at the forefront of combating the climate crisis. So it works on shifting away from animal-based food systems to plant-based food systems, which are more sustainable and healthier for the overall population. So it's a companion to the UNFCCC um, Paris Agreement. It aims to sort of fill in the gap that is in that agreement where animal agriculture is not addressed and make sure that um, everything is looked at in order to combat the climate crisis efficiently and quickly as well. So the plant-based treaty has three main demands. So the first one is relinquish, which is um, basically about no land use change or ecosystem degradation um, or deforestation for the purpose of animal agriculture. So it's about no more um, degradation of our critical ecosystems to create animal products. Uh, The second one is redirect, which is about actively transitioning away from animal-based food systems to plant-based food systems. And then the final one is restore. So this is about um, making sure we're actively restoring key ecosystems um, and forests and bushland um, and rewilding landscape to help reforest the earth. So three really important key ideas within the plant-based treaty, and those are basically our key principles of what we're working towards. Yeah. And it definitely is very much needed because even um, here in Australia, when we had the carbon tax going back a number of years, animal agriculture was exempt from that. And even in a lot of the recent discussions about going um, to zero emissions by 2050, there's sort of uh, pushback against that of, yeah, exempting animal agriculture. Um, yeah, th- those kind of issues. I guess I was curious, we spoke a bit about before that the environmental movement, at least the environmental protest movements, the, the, the demands are often quite structural in terms of no new fossil fuels, that kind of things. I was not sure how involved you were in kind of establishing these demands or whether you were involved once they're already there, but um, do you have any insight into whether, like how much these were perhaps inspired by the demands of existing environmental movement, but just, um, yeah, sort of pivoting towards animal agriculture rather than purely focusing on fossil fuels? 
Yeah, so the um, main organisers of the SAVE movement and the creators of the plant-based treaty, um, they met with the founder of the Fossil Fuel Treaty and caught up because they really liked the ideas behind the Fossil Fuel Treaty, which has a very similar um, sort of way about doing things and the similar um, three key ideas and principles and how they sort of um, go about implementing the Fossil Fuel Treaty. So, yeah, they all had a big meeting and were able to sort of, yeah, think about different ideas about how we can do a similar thing to the fossil fuel treaty, but exactly like you said, pivot it to more plant-based solutions and focus on animal agriculture. So it was, um, yeah, it was really um, very similar to the fossil fuel treaties um, way of doing things. And yeah, it was really based off of that. Great. One of the things that I read um, in relation to, um, you know, promoting plant-based um, foods and actively transitioning away from animal-based food systems in the plant-based treaty is, um, you know, the demand to actually uh, declare a climate emergency. Yeah, and yes. To, you, know, you know, 1,900 or so local councils in 34 different countries that have already done so, and we see quite a bit of resistance to that in, in certain areas um, within Australia. Have, have you had conversations with people um, about that, about declaring a climate emergency? Yeah, declaring the climate emergency is one of the first things we say should be done in order to start implementing new, um, new ways to combat the climate crisis because I guess we can't um, sort of expect people to all of a sudden um, do all of these different things and implement different things into their lifestyle if our governments have not actually declared a climate emergency. And we all know that we are in a climate crisis. Uh, the world is going drastically downhill in terms of freak mega storms and fires and everything that we can't even, we don't even like to imagine really. So yeah, declaring that climate emergency is something that's really, really important and must be done on a government level. And the people that I've spoken to about it have been really on board with declaring a climate emergency. Um, a lot of people are, yeah, very, um, very progressive with climate change um, around me anyway. I know the Geelong Climate Council has declared a climate emergency, which is really great. So um, it's been, yeah, really amazing talking to them about that and just how we can implement more things going forward and, again, pivoting to animal agriculture and how we can implement things around that. Um, but, yeah, it's really important just spreading the message out there and getting governments to jump on this bandwagon of declaring climate emergencies because that just allows more individuals and more organisations and um, initiatives to it really just gets it in our mind that this is real, this is what's happening, and we must act now. I know in recent years that the environmental movement has had a, a greater focus on like human social justice in terms of uh, Indigenous rights issues, also justice for workers within fossil fuel sectors. Um, and that definitely seems to be a key aspect of, of this treaty as well, which is interesting to see that even though the main focus is transition away from animal agriculture, there seems to be a broader sort of social justice approach in terms of raising issues around um, food security, um, also um, talking about financial support for those who are currently uh, working within animal agriculture, um, and, and these kind of issues that are kind of more um, sort of human social justice focused. Do you want to talk a bit about, um, yeah, about, about that focus of the treaty as well? Yeah, so a lot of people don't realise that, I guess, veganism and plant-based solutions isn't just about animals or isn't just about climate. It's a human issue as well. I mean, we have the resources to feed billions and billions of, like, hundreds of billions of land animals every year to then slaughter and consume whereas about a billion people go to bed hungry every night and about 23 percent of our fresh water goes towards farm animals as well but so many people die of water scarcity um, in on earth as well so all these resources we really start thinking well are they really going towards the right um, the right things or can we be doing so much more with these resources as well and then like you said there's things like um, 
the people who are working in, say, slaughterhouses, for example, are often very underprivileged people, often from overseas, who are getting paid minimum wage, who have terrible working conditions and living conditions, and they're getting by off the bare minimum. So there's that side to it as well. And then also that just by aggravating the climate crisis through mass animal-based um, products being produced, it's causing obviously the climate crisis, which is impacting um, First Nations communities and people on the front line who don't then have the resources to um, really to survive. So it's really impacting so many people's livelihoods through pollution as well. Animal agriculture is a leading cause of pollution, especially here in Australia, which is um, polluting local communities and causing many deaths as well. So there's a whole other side to animal agriculture, which we about, and it's really important to address these things within the plant-based treaty as well. We really like to look at the whole of what we can do instead of just pinpointing certain things. Mm. Brilliant. One of the other things that I I read about, which um, I thought is uh, really quite interesting is the suggestion to subsidise um, fruit and vegetables to make whole foods, plant-based diets more affordable um, and to end food deserts that hurt um, low-income communities. And, you know, Nick's already referenced the um, food scarcity issues. Um, I think that's you know, phenomenal. And I really, really love the suggestion about uh, introducing a meat tax which would include fish with proceeds funding restoration of land destroyed by the animal agriculture industry. Um, is that something that you have discussed with um, people along the, along the conversations that you've been having of late? Um, not so much yet. We haven't gotten to that stage yet, but this, this is a really important point as well because it's about making plant-based foods more accessible to everybody because... Sometimes fruit and vegetables can be much more expensive, especially in certain seasons than others or during the pandemic when we haven't had um, as good of access to certain things. And sometimes um, meat and animal products can be quite cheap. So it's easier for people to grab those things and not, um, not think so much about their food choices. So it's really important to, yeah, subsidise the cost of fruit and veggies and get whole foods into um, everyday diets and stopping, um, sort of, yeah, reducing meat consumption and making people think a bit more about buying meats and things when they see that price go up. It just is all about, I guess there's a lot of psychology to it as well as just um, access and equity to these plant-based whole foods, which are going to benefit us as a population in more ways than one. Yeah, and I, I guess like going back to the points before, um, uh, when we're talking about structurally, I think often the, the focus in the animal movement has often been to kind of accept this system or not, not directly accept it, but go, we've got a system that subsidized animal agriculture rather than plant-based agriculture. We've got um, particularly certain communities, often like poorer communities, rural communities, don't have access to healthy food in many cases and kind of just to not challenge that and just encourage everyone to just go vegan within that existing system. And as you've already touched on, um, it can be more difficult for some than others to, to make that choice and there's less options. And so I really see a lot of the things that you propose here as real like win-win situations in terms of um, yeah, the issue of food justice, which um, I know the Food Empowerment Project over in the US has a lot of good work on this issue as well. Um, but this idea of providing healthy food for these communities, um, which, yeah, more plant-based foods, which um, obviously is a win for animals and the environment and is also beneficial to these people's health. So, yeah, even though I think often there's, yeah, sometimes there's arguments which kind of pit veganism and pit animal rights against other issues. Yeah, again, I think it's really great. There's a lot of win-wins that come out of here from all different types of social justice. Yeah, it's been really important to sort of look at all the different areas of plant-based food systems and animal-based food systems and look at it as a whole and see yeah, just how we can make it um, a lot easier and more equitable for everyone. So it's not as daunting as just going vegan overnight. It's about reducing animal products and putting more whole foods, plant-based foods into your body for the better of the environment, animals and your own health. So it's, yeah, it's really 
it's really amazing to be able to look at all those things as a whole. Definitely. Well, we're fast running out of time, unfortunately. So, Greta, if people want to get involved with um, Use Climate Save in Victoria or and if people want to get involved with the plant-based treaty, what are the best ways for people to do that? Yeah, so as for Youth Climate Save, the best place to go would be onto Instagram. You can either come to Youth Climate Save Victoria if you want to start a chapter in Australia or if you just want to, if you have any questions or queries or just want to get involved within the climate and animal movement, that's definitely the best place to go. And as for the plant-based treaty, you can go to the website. So it's um, www.theplantbasedtreaty.org. And on there, you can find a whole bunch of resources about what, what it is, why we do it, uh, the different people and organisations who have endorsed the plant-based treaty. And also, of course, that's where you can endorse it as well. You can endorse it as an individual, a business, an organisation or a city. And yeah, we're really trying to get as many um, endorsees as possible to just spread the awareness as much as we can. So I highly recommend jumping onto the website and doing that. And maybe I could be a bit cheeky and just jump in with one more one more question, if you don't mind, um, just at the end. Um, just because like you've touched on this a little bit, but I just, for our listeners who maybe haven't thought too much about the environmental impact of animal agriculture, you've touched on that briefly. Um, but yeah, I guess just for listeners in terms of thinking about like ditching animal products in their own diets, but also um, perhaps getting involved in these kind of more structural campaigns as well. Um, have there been any particular statistics or issues around the environmental agri impact of animal agriculture that really stand out to you or, or you'd like to share with listeners? Once you start diving into it, there's so many things that I guess just never crossed your mind beforehand. So just the animal agriculture is a leading cause of methane, nitrous oxide and carbon dioxide emissions globally. It's a leading cause of deforestation, biodiversity loss, water and air pollution, ocean acidification and dead zones. It's crazy once you start diving into all the statistics and as well as um, things like a vegan lifestyle is the single biggest way to reduce your environmental impact so there's all the different things we can do in our daily lives like riding to work and walking and all these things but at the end of the day it is the most carbon friendly lifestyle and it is the biggest thing we can do to help combat the climate crisis and also help save millions of animals lives so it's, yeah, I would highly recommend look doing your own research as well. But yeah, there's so many things once you start diving into it. But a vegan lifestyle can reduce your carbon footprint by over 70%. So it's really, really amazing how much less of an impact a vegan lifestyle has on the environment. And it's definitely something to look into and see what how you can um, yeah help this movement and get involved as well. Wonderful. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up. Thanks so much for joining us, Greta. We've absolutely loved chatting with you and thanks for all of the work that you're doing and all of the advocacy that you're sharing um, out there. It's just incredible. Oh, likewise. So Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. So Freedom of Species is on every Sunday between 1 and 2 p.m. You can tune in on 8 5am in Melbourne and we're streamed live on the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. All of our previous podcasts are available at the 3CR website and they're also available on iTunes and Spotify. And to take us out, our final song I actually chose by a yeah, can I, sorry to interrupt, yeah. Caroline. Can I just jump in with it about the t-shirts quickly, just to give listeners an update about the t-shirts? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, just a quick note that our Lucifit t-shirts have sold out. So thanks to everyone who's already bought a shirt. It's a really good way to spread the word about the show, support 3CR. 
Um, keep us on air, keep all the great shows on 3CR on air. Um, so yeah, there still are like the tighter fit, um, often called lady style, but obviously any anyone of any gender could wear whatever they like. So avoided that word, wording, but um, yeah, the, this was the tighter, smaller fit um, shirts are still available. Again, $15, you don't have to be in Victoria. They can be sent to wherever you are. Um, you can find them at 3cr.org.au and click on the shop button. We'll also put the link in the show notes as well. Um, and stay tuned for rotations for uh, a bunch of music from a range of 3CR presenters coming up. And yeah, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Well, Greta, I think the plant-based treat is a really uh, exciting and inspiring campaign. Definitely. And what's the end song? The final song I chose by a young Melbourne band called The Teethers and this song is called Capsicum and it's apparently the first song they wrote together. CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.